Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. George Norrie back with you along with Kathleen Martin. We're talking about her latest work called Extraterrestrial Contact. Kathleen uh, Mufon, uh, the experience or research study that you're part of, uh, studied 516 people. Tell us what happened. Yes, uh, well, members of the of MUFON's experience or research team, often with advanced degrees, uh, and I uh, developed five hundred um, developed one hundred and eighteen questions in a questionnaire, and uh, we had a target goal of five hundred experiencers that we wanted to take part in this. Uh, then we had phase two of our study. And in phase two of our study, we wanted to use a psychometric device in order to uh, identify those who had UFO abduction syndrome. Now, this device was developed by Bud Hopkins and Ted Davis, who is a psychiatric social worker in New York. And it Dr. Don C. Dondary was involved in this. Uh, he was the person who standardized it. He spent his life as a social researcher. And so um, there were initially 600 questions, and he reduced it over time to 65 questions. And this device would determine those who had UFO abduction syndrome because they had the knowledge and the emotional signature of this, as opposed to a group of simulators, or what Don calls wannabes, and then a third group were members of the general public who had uh, very little knowledge about UFOs or contact, and uh, just uh, were, were people who, in this study, might want to be throwing us off track or uh-huh. skewing our results. Would so they be thought, like a placebo? <laughs> <laughs> could be. We, they, uh, I thought of them more as hoaxers yeah. who uh, were simply trying to cause problems with our study. So you can always accept that. And we had a couple of different methods to... Uh, weed them out and eliminate them from the study. So we had many more than 516 who participated, but in the end, only 516 were included. What were some of the remarkable things that you heard from them? uh, Well, we were extremely interested in, uh, for example, how old they were when they had contact for the first time. And uh, there were two different groups that I want to give you the results on because they're different. Um, So in first contact, overall, uh, 72% of the experiencers were less than 20 years old. Wow, Uh, that's high. Yes, and about I, I was amazed at this result because Back when Betty and Barney were taken, they were in their early 40s. And uh, so that is high, and it indicates generational contact. Um, 6%, though, were more than 40 when they had first contact. And we discovered that this 6% were having highly negative contact. So it 
just uh, makes us wonder if this is more demonic as opposed to E.T. Hmm. We asked also how many times uh, they were taken. A very small percentage said they were 10%, taken more than 50 times. Uh, Yet, on the average, uh, 54% could only remember being taken four times. It doesn't mean they were taken more than that um, or or less than that. They they simply didn't remember being taken more than four times. Uh, We wanted to know if... Uh, other members of the family had observed UFOs, if, and not just a light in the sky. Were these UFOs close up and personal, less than 500 feet in the distance? Uh, 65% of the entire group of the experiencers stated that family members had had contact, and 70% of the abductees. Uh, we were interested in sleep paralysis. You know, uh, for years and years, the skeptics have said it's all sleep paralysis. So uh, we have a couple of uh, very interesting results of that. Uh, 74% of the experiencers and 90% of the abductees said they've experienced sleep paralysis where they have been woken up, paralyzed, able to move only their eyes. But then we went on and said, were you awake? Did you see non-human entities in your environment? And then you became paralyzed. For the abductee group, it was 60%. Huge. Yes, only 36% for the experiencers. Did any of them, Kathleen, describe what these entities may have looked like? Oh, absolutely. Yes, that was another question we had. Uh, how, what was the most prevalent group? That was Greys, both the, the taller ones and the shorter ones who we think of as the assistants. Uh, they're, they're the ones who take you to and from the craft, who uh, undress you, dress you for sometimes in other people's clothing, sometimes putting your clothing on backwards. Are they little Greys? They're little ones. They're the yeah. ones who are about three and a half to four feet tall. But then there's the the other group who are taller, who seem to be, uh, to most individuals, sentient beings, that uh, they have emotions, they communicate, they're the ones who take the experiencers to craft time and time again. They're the ones who do the physical examinations or medical procedures. They are the educators, the scientists. So they're different from the little ones. They're more four and a half to five and a half feet tall and uh, generally have a uh, relationship with the experiencer so that the experiencer might be terrified when in, in the fight or flight mode when they're, they have these little ones come into their environment. But... By the time they arrive on the craft, they are settled down. They're feeling that they are in a familiar environment. And uh, so the second uh, most prevalent type, uh, putting the grays in one category, are the human types, those who... Those that look like us. Look very similar to us. Uh, They're all about six feet tall. They have 
uh, light brown or blonde hair. Uh, their eyes are somewhat bigger than the average human eye. They uh, might communicate telepathically as well, but uh, they are generally uh, pretty nice to be around and, and uh, treat humans pretty well. The third group, insectoids. So like the, the prey and mantis, yeah. Who are often seen working with the greys, and the praying mantis type are often the, the ones who act as the physicians on the craft. Then you have the reptilian uh-huh. type. Okay. Uh, who and and different groups of reptilians. We divided that uh, up so that we would find out who, how many are interacting with positive re- reptilians, and also the the negative type. And there are positive reptilians. They're about the same amount as the insectoids, about uh, twenty to thirty percent. And uh, then you have the negative, the reptilians who are more the uh, draconian type. Uh, we asked about hy- hybrids as well, and uh, about 22% had observed hybrids on the craft. We asked about MyLab abductions, where uh, people who behave in a military fashion are, are seen working with a group of non-human entities. That's about 13%. Was there any commonality of where they may have been coming from, like Betty and Barney Hill described the Zeta Reticuli star system? We did, in fact, ask if they had been shown a star system, and uh, only about 10% had viewed a star map. Um, Most people did not know where they came from, only that they uh, had traveled through space uh, and time. Depending upon the group, the, the human-looking types had tra- sort of jumped through space and time. They were more like time travelers uh, coming back, had once lived on this planet, whereas the, the grays appeared to be coming from another star system and maybe um, many, inhabited many different planets um, in different star systems. That's pretty dramatic work. And what was your conclusion? Well, (laughs) we, my conclusion was that uh, experiencers receive many gifts as a result of having this kind of contact. we asked, uh, would you want it to stop? And 71% of the experiencers said, no, I want it to continue. 75% of the abductee group, well, why do you want it to continue? Uh, because of the information that I am receiving and want to continue to receive. Um, they, uh, a very high percentage had become more spiritual more psychic, they're empathic, and uh, they feel more highly intelligent than they were when they began this. They view the world differently. They uh, have learned to become good stewards to our environment. There's a great environmental concern among those non-human entities that 
our current behavior could lead to environmental collapse. And, you know, dating all the way back to the early 1950s, there has also been that anti-nuclear message. They, they believe that humans are out of sync. Uh, our behavior, our brains are still primitive, yet we have developed the technology that we could use to destroy ourselves and life on this planet. So they, many have said they are working toward upgrading the human genome and uh, also bringing about this, uh, these spiritual changes in humans for the benefit of all so that we will survive. Now, did any of these 516 people, Kathleen, describe a horrendous experience? Absolutely. Oh, there was a very small percentage, about 6%, who said that these entities were hostile, sadistic, evil, 10%. Which is what um, David Jacobs says. Yes. They, it was like going to a living hell where horrible things were happening. And torture, murder, um, eating humans. Oh, the... And, you know, I, I wonder if they are actually being taken to a living hell, if these are demonic entities from the astral plane who have for some, some reason attached to these individuals. They're confused. They believe that uh, it is uh, ETs, but... I have worked with some of these individuals, and uh, th these attachments can be removed and are removed when they realize that they need to seek another kind of help from uh, a, a religious person or from a shaman or a light worker, somebody who is able to remove these very... Uh, sadistic and evil entities that have attached uh, due to the lower vibrational frequency of that human. They don't sound like the ETs, do they? They are not the ETs. No. I'm convinced of that. And the reason I became convinced is that I was working with an individual who was having these experiences. I knew that his mental status was fine. He didn't have a major mental illness. Uh, he was highly productive, uh, uh, professional, in fact. And as I uh, went on to try to try to help him uh, to overcome what he was experiencing and learn more about it, suddenly I received the message that was so horrible that I'm sure my vibrational frequency uh, lowered and in a moment, this thing attached to my environment, um, maybe not to my body. And not in a pleasant way, I take it. And not in a pleasant way at all. I've never had an experience like this in my entire life where all of a sudden there was a dark shadow over me. Although I always sleep well, don't wake up during the night, 
I was having difficulty sleeping. I was beginning to feel pain in my body, which I don't normally have. And then after about a month, I started to receive these messages from this thing, that, and it was saying, you're going to die soon. Oh, great. Why don't you just do it? At that point, I knew. I had never received those messages before. I knew what was going on. I told the person I was working with what had happened to me. I said, you need to go and have this attachment removed. He did, and, it, and he was suddenly fine again. Um, you know, it's very sudden the way this happens. I also had mine removed, and just overnight it's gone. Uh, the higher vibrational frequency, everything is fine. I'm happy. I'm sleeping through the night again and no body pain. It's amazing what these negative attachments can do. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.